He is risen, church. He is risen indeed. Come on, why don't you just take your seat just for a moment and we just want to do a little bit of teaching into how to live in the light of the dawn of the resurrection. You know, we could say a lot today and say nothing. And so let me remind you of the corpus of what we are talking about today, and then we're going to baptize some lovely people. Will you, will you turn with me to uh, Mark's Gospel, if you're on your device or on your Bible, Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, we're going to read two verses there, and then we're going to the Gospel of Luke and then Ephesians. Mark chapter 16, verse 2 says this, very early on the first day of the week, on the dawn, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who's going to roll away the stone to the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, was rolled away. The problem that they imagined had already been dealt with. How about you? I wonder if you've got a problem that God has already dealt with. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and we'll read eight verses from there, uh, from verses one to eight. Let's read the Bible today. Luke 24, verse one reads like this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, it was dawn, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were still wondering about this, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Now listen to this. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. I'm not going to say anything new particularly to you today, but I'm going to remind you of what's been said. Because sometimes we need a reminder of what we've been told to activate our faith. And that's what happened to these women. Remember how he told you while he was still in, with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be so delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Are there some things that you need to remember about your faith today, about your life? Turn with me in your Bibles, if you've got them, to Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll read from verse 8. It says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. So it's supposed to be in you. And find out what pleases the Lord. Now have nothing to do with the, with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything will be exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Have you been illuminated by the truth of the gospel? You will become a light. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Wake up. I don't know how, uh, whether you remember the old Polaroid cameras. Do you remember those? You know, they have a big flash on them, and then, you know, you take a picture. Come on now, admit your age. Is it just me? Do you remember that, you know, and then the, the, the thing comes out, and you have to shake it like a Polaroid picture. No, no, that's another song. Okay. Um, you know, you have to shake it, and then it slowly emerges, doesn't it, what the picture is. Uh, and what, what you don't see it fully at first. We don't have the full picture just yet of all what it means since we accepted Christ. Our living in the light is emerging. It's coming out to be true. All the ramifications and the outworkings of this resurrected life within us is is developing and the light is getting stronger in our lives. We often are like the women who uh, had gone to the tomb with human and natural answers. They'd gone with their spices to embalm the body even better. They'd gone with a natural problem of seeing who would roll away the stone, the tomb, uh, the stone over the tomb. But none of those natural answers were needed because they had stepped into a new reality. You have stepped into a new reality if you're in faith. It might not have been dramatic, but it really, really is different. That the light has come. And we have to learn to live as children of the light. But it's definitely light. This little light of yours, we're going to help it shine. It's definitely happened. The Christian life is, is indescribable in some ways, but it's very clear in other ways. And I want to just explore with you three definite truths that have happened to you if you have accepted Christ, or if you today are thinking about Jesus and wondering about church, that this can happen to you. Truth number one is this. We experience death, but death is defeated. Now, you've heard it before, but rather than death being the final end cutoff point, the, the whole world is so afraid of death. And, and of course, I, I'm not, you know, thinking, woo, can't wait to take my last breath. That'd be morbid. You know, and so I don't want to be flippant about that, but the in the Bible, death is like a doorway to another place. It's not, it's, it's another state of being. It is not the, that we cease to exist. Now listen, if you've lost someone this year and, and this is your first Easter without them, please hear this truth, that death is not the end. 
where they, where they cease to exist. Please hear the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, from verse 54. It says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the, mortality, uh, the mortal has been clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Death looked Jesus in the face and he shut its mouth. When death stung Jesus, it stung itself to death. I want to say to you that death does not mean the end. It's a transition to another state of being. And this is our great hope. This is our difference that we have in our lives. It's not that we're flippant about it. And God bless you if you've been through that. But Romans chapter 8 tells us and writes to us as Christians, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. And we are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death or life, nor angels or demons, nor neither present, nor, nor the future, nor any other power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Death is defeated. It's over. Now, I meant... I've met people and people in the church. I used to have a, a chap in my church. He used to print all the materials. He was terribly afraid of death. It, it was something that was, you know, we're all not looking forward to it, but you have to grab onto something this day that you will experience death, but death is defeated and you will transition through it. And that's our great hope. And for those of you who are guests amongst us, death is your final enemy. And we are saying to you, it's over. It's not, has, it doesn't have the power that horror movies and all the rest of it place on us. It doesn't have that power. Death in the Bible just means separation. It does not mean that you cease to exist, but you actually become united with God and that you go to be with him if you belong to him. Do you love him? Do you belong to him? Then death will have no hold on you. We experience it, but we're not supposed to fear it. We might be cautious. We might be sad at the loss of people and God bless you if you've lost anybody this, this year. But Hebrews chapter two tells us this about Jesus. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Now, this irrational fear of death is not coming from a good place. 
It's actually demonic. It actually has a source whereby fear wants to breathe into your life and say to you, your life is hopeless and has no meaning, and in the end you're going to die. That's the enemy breathing those thoughts. But Jesus comes along and breaks the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, to free those who all their lives have been held into the slavery by their fear of death. It's time on this day for us to say really clearly, don't be afraid. We know we're not going to whoop and holler and shout and cheer, but dignifiedly, strongly, we can see death in its face and know that our Lord Jesus will carry us over. Amen, church? Truth number one on this Easter day. Truth number two, we are tempted by sin, and, but we are not defeated by sin. And this may be a revelation to some of us today. Now, I'm going to use the word sin. And if you're a guest amongst us, you know, you might say wrongdoing or a mistake. We're going to say sin. Things that are offensive to you, others, and God, mainly God. Romans chapter 6 says this, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Sin always asks for obedience. It will always try and dominate you. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness, these are two really important moves if we're going to make this truth that sin is defeated and we can overcome it, if we get this working in our lives. First of all, you have to understand, don't let sin reign. Don't give it a place where it dominates you, where it takes control. Sin always seeks to dominate you. You, you, know, you know this. You know this. You already know that that chocolate cake is too much for you. <laughs> that things will try and dominate you. You already know this. Sin always seeks to gain a mastery so that it can shrink your life, so that you become less than who you're supposed to be. So don't let sin reign with you. Have you ever read, you ever seen The Lord of the Rings? You know, I mean, I've told you about Polaroid cameras. Anybody more up to date want to talk about The Lord of the Rings? You ever seen Lord of the Rings? Do you remember the, the, the ring that, you know, the, that Schmeagel puts on, the go- golem, and every time he puts it on, I'm not going to do the voice, my precious, all that. <laughs> do you remember that? Well, you know, Tolkien's uh, ring is such a powerful illustration of sin. And actually, that's what he meant by it. From from the moment the person puts on the ring, on on his finger, the ring is out to dominate and destroy him. The ring has a mind of its own. It's a mind that is bent on destruction. The ring is is only satisfied when it's enslaved, the person who's wearing it. And the person who's wearing it becomes overwhelmed and destroyed. 
We sang earlier about bring your addictions to him. Bring the things that are shrinking you to him. All of the promise, all of the ring's promises only lead to greater enslavement. And that leads towards death. And that's the same with sin. That's what he meant by it, actually. That actually, sin will always promise you something. And then it will take over. It never stays in its place. It tries to capture all of your life. So number one, don't let sin reign because it won't just stay there. Secondly, offer yourselves what you give yourself to becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it will gain momentum in your life. The giving of yourself to God will, will bring you more and more delight. In fact, the discipline of bringing yourself to God will become a delight. You have to be careful in this life which train you jump on. And which, where that's taking you and what will carry you off. Be careful what you're agreeing to, what opinion you're saying you agree with, what thing you're listening to about others. Be careful where it's taking you. I was at the tube station the other day down at Notting Hill, me and Kathy, and we wanted to catch a tube home, and a tube was just about to pull off, and the doors came in, and I said, come on, Kathy, let's run for it. And we went for it. And Kathy said, no, no, I'm not doing that. So I said, oh, come on, let's do it. Let's jump on there. And the doors closed, and we missed the train. The next train was 15 minutes. 15 minutes of my precious life. Wasted. You've got to be careful what you're running to jump on. You really have. You've really got to be careful where the momentum is going. What's got momentum in your life? The Bible says that we can defeat sin. We can defeat those habits. We really can make a change. One of the great messages of Christianity is, is the things that shrink you and destroy you can be broken. It might take a bit of work and it will take some focus on God, but it can happen. If you're struggling today, Christ is alive and sin is defeated. Come on, church. Third truth, the very inner fabric of you, first truth is this, death, although we experience it, is defeated. Second truth is sin, even though we are tempted by it, is defeated. Third truth of this resurrection day, the very fabric of our being is changed. And we have to learn to live that out very deeply within us, we have to learn to live out what God has placed within us. Any of you cook popcorn, by the way? Anybody do that? Oh man, you are real party animals, aren't you? Does anybody do popcorn at all? You know, but if you ever cook popcorn, you know, inside popcorn, there's a, there's a kernel and in the, the seed, in the starty cell, and let me get scientific, the uh, endosperm within there, there's 14 to 20% moisture inside a popcorn kernel. When you heat that up, that moisture turns to steam, 
begins to expand and cracks open that shell to become 15 to 20 times bigger than what the inside is. God is trying to get you to focus on the inside so you can be bigger than you ever would have planned to be. Amen? Why is it that we focus on the shell so much when God is saying, heat up the inside, focus on what I'm doing on the inside, and you will expand and grow? Let me take you back to Ephesians. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Come on, feed the inside. Find out what pleases him. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. How are we gonna make, how are we gonna feed that inside? Come on, we could shout and sing a lot today that Jesus is alive. Can I do some practical teaching of how to get that in your spirit today? First of all, if you're going to live in the dawn of the Easter message, if you're going to invest on the inside, today is the day, decide fully that this is the life you want. That actually you're going to say, you know what, I am going to be a Christian. Now some of you have made that decision, but I want to call you today to a recommitment to that where you say, you know what, I may have added lots of things into my life, but I am telling you today, Lord, this is the life I want. I want to live and follow you, and the inside's going to heat up. Jesus put it this way, he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and daily follow me. Stop negotiating and tell the Lord, this is the life I want. And the heat inside will heat up. Secondly, you need to understand that as well as your determination to make that decision, we are undergirded by the realization we need grace to carry us through. Now, I'm going to call you to strong commitment today, but you can't live the Christian life fully on your own. You have to understand that this Christian life takes some extra strength from God and he is happy to give it to you. You were once darkness, but now you are light. He's placed something in you. He's placed in that grace that, that fills in what I call the grace gap. When your determination and will has run out, God's grace steps in and makes the difference so that you can live this life. Be encouraged today. You may have a kind of weak and uh, flimsy will. You may not be the strongest person, but God's grace can carry you through. How many of you ever heard this song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. found, but I was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Anybody know the third verse? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace that brought me safe thus far, and it's grace, and it's grace, and it's grace. Where's grace taking you? The grace will lead you home. You can't get there on your own. You need his strength. You need his help. 
you need his grace. I know some of you are amazing. I know some of you are tremendous at your career. I know some of you are high flyers, but you know what? You can't fly high enough to get to heaven without amazing grace. And as a Christian, you need that grace in your life. Come on, lift your hands and just say, God, fill me with your strength. Fill me with your strength. You need that today. You see, if you're here, we haven't got a religion. We don't have a religion. We have a relationship with Jesus. And we're not interested in how many times we pray a day and if we can memorize this and do that. All those things are great, but it's grace that will carry you home. Now, I'm not saying you'll be lazy. You need to be determined and say, this is the life I want. God, I am lashing myself to the mast of your ship, and nobody's going to remove me. But then you, God, will bring the grace that helps me to fulfill that commitment. Amen, church? That's how you heat up the inside. Some of you want to get really stronger. I want to say to you, get more surrendered. Be surrendered. You have to be determined. But let the grace of God fill the gap. You know, the thing about God, he's always moving the goalposts. Some of you hate that. You know, some of you are saying, my boss, he's always moving the goalposts. He said that and then he said that. God's always doing that. I nearly had this idea for an illustration where I'd be me and somebody else would be God and every time I take a step forward, God takes a step forward and you say, God, I've already, I've done it, you know, and then God's saying, but I'm moving it further so you can go further. I'm not where I used to be, but I thank God where I am now. It's grace that will lead me home. You need to receive that today, on this Easter day, because this is not a theory. He's alive And he wants to pour that into your life. Thirdly, if you want to lift up and heat up the inside, you always need to see the trajectory of where something's taking you. The Bible says, find out what pleases the Lord. I wonder if you could find out what's pleasing to him in your life. Is he pleased with the trajectory of where your opinions, where your speech, where where your life is going? Find out what pleases the Lord and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. What is being produced in our lives? What's the trajectory? If you keep thinking, saying, doing what you're doing, where will it take you? If you keep having that opinion about that person or this person or or the things that you're saying and doing, where is that taking you? You see, you've got to see trajectory. God always looks down into the future and says, where are you going? And it's true for everybody in our lives. Where's our nation going? Don't answer that question, please. We want you to have a good day. But what about you? God always says, You can heat up the inside if you look at the trajectory of where your life is going. You see, we're supposed to be producing the fruit that is good, that we're always seeking to do good for someone, that that's a fruit in our lives. We're supposed to be producing 
something that strengthens our righteousness in Christ. Not that we can add to the blood of Jesus, but that we don't take anything away from everything that he has done. And then we're supposed to be producing alignment with truth, goodness, righteousness, and truth, that we align ourselves with the truth of Scripture. Do you think today on this resurrection day, as we live in the light of the empty tomb, that your life is lining up with the truth of what's said? You see, the women, when they came to the tomb, they came with their answers, their spices, their traditions. They came with their problems. And, and yet, the angel said to them, do you, don't you remember what you've been told? And when they remembered, it all made sense. If you'll remember what you already know about the Bible and begin to apply it, it will begin to make more sense. Lastly, if you want to heat up the inside and grow yourself, you have to make corrective courses early, especially before the things grow in your life. The Bible says, have nothing to do with the fruitful, fruitless deeds of darkness. You've got to learn to correct early. Have you, have you uh, ever met somebody and you get on the wrong foot with them? Like, you know, you get off on the wrong foot, but actually they're, they're an okay person. And Are you the sort of person you're going to stay on the wrong foot? You've got to make corrective courses early and say, you know what, I, I need to correct this. It's important that we don't let things grow so that we can't change. Those of you who know me, you know, I, I, I can drive a car in the United States. They let me drive over there. Isn't that amazing of the Americans? They're such lovely people, aren't they? You know? I'm an absolute liability, but the Americans say, ah, oh, whatever, let the British person drive. But over here, I can't see far enough to drive a car. You see, the issue is this, that if I see things at speed, I see it there, and the next time I see it, it's right there. And I have to go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. You've got to learn to correct early before it's on top of you. So what is it today? On this resurrection day, are you going to let things grow? Or are we going to sing, shout hallelujah that he's risen from the dead and all the time there are things growing in our lives that we need to correct? He's given you all the grace you need to make it a start. He's given you all the determination you need. He is holding you. He won't let you go. This is the resurrection day. So it's time to embrace the dawn and the light that's come. Have you got a snooze button on your clock at home? It's the worst invention in the world, isn't it? You hit snooze, you regret it. Don't hit snooze and delay your growth today. In fact, if you're here under the sound of my voice and you're thinking, you know what, I, I really do want to explore Christianity do not hit the snooze button and leave this place and think, oh, I'll leave it for another year. In fact, I want to say to you, if you've come to church for the first time or just visiting for Easter, why don't you come back? All the regular members who come every week, why don't you say amen? amen. 
you know what? I'd like us to be full every week this week, like this week, wouldn't you? I want it to be uncomfortable. I want you not to get your favorite seat, not because I don't love you, just because I want as many people in the, in the whole world to come to know Jesus, don't you? We could put up with it, couldn't we, church? You know, don't hit the snooze button. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Don't, don't delay in coming back to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment in a moment. You see, as you embrace the light, it gets stronger. It's like a Polaroid picture. It's as you begin to say, you know what, I'm getting into this. It gets stronger in your life. It isn't a struggle. We have seasons where, where we have to have a little bit more depth and struggle, but it breaks through, and God's grace breaks through. You can do this, church. Come on, you can live for him. He's alive. And so I want to say this to you today. Jesus has risen. This is a reality. It's not a theory, it's not a myth, it's not a religious practice, it's a reality. So let's learn to live in this reality, not as a theory, but in the view that this is the way that life works. Stop thinking and negotiating, start saying, you know what? This is life. Holy Spirit, would you fill us right now? For those people, Lord, who've been struggling, would you just now strengthen them with your grace? Come on, lift your hand with me. Receive some strength. He's here. He's walking around these aisles. He's walking around the, the overflow. He's walking amongst us. He's walking in the foyer. He's walking in the balcony. He wants to strengthen you and touch you. He's here now. He's alive. It's real. I know you've got questions. He is totally capable of answering every one of your questions. But he's here now. In the name of Jesus, I want to break all the reign of sin in your life. With your cooperation now, you say to the Lord, I break it in Jesus' name. I will not allow that attitude, that sin to grow. And for those of you here for the first time, I want to welcome you into our house and into church. I never went to church growing up and you may not have come for a long time. I want to say to you that God loves you and he wants you to come home to his family. He wants you to be rid of everything that you've ever done wrong and to live a life of freedom. You do already do good things, I'm sure you do, but those things won't be enough to carry you over. 
Don't let death be your final enemy. But come and let us, with Jesus, defeat it right now.